What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. Today, we have a, I believe, third time appearance for the boy, Sean Byrne. What's going on, brother? Oh, what's up? What's up? Three Pete. How uh, happy to be here. Yeah, man. We got a Philadelphia special for you guys. Uh, we are talking pretty much everything going down with the Philadelphia 76ers, talking a little bit of Eastern Conference playoff tiers. We got to talk about the Embiid Jokic showdown of the century, which is fantastic. Um, so we're going to pretty much kick it off right away. Uh, as we all know, it's been pretty much a little bit more than a month since the James Harden trade, since he has made his debut. Uh, James Harden and the Sixers say are nine and four since Harden has debuted. Uh, it has been, I want to say a little bit of a roller coaster, but overall pretty much success uh, with their overall record. Uh, they have some great wins, uh, two time beating Cleveland, uh, being the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Red Hot Mavs, as well as a recent victory over the Miami Heat uh, without Joel Embiid and James Harden, which is extremely impressive. Uh, they also have a couple of losses to some of the bigger teams, uh, losing to the Nuggets, uh, getting absolutely decimated by the Brooklyn Nets, and a surprising loss to the Raptors the other night. Um, so the biggest thing I want to ask is, overall, how have you viewed the James Harden trade since it went down? Yeah, I think uh, I think the only reason that some people might view it as like an up-and-down roller coaster is that, net, is that Nets game. Because um, obviously they got their the shit kicked out of him that game and didn't show up and it was just like a disaster so like the national media is going to run with that and that's like a huge game and they should right like that, i'm not saying that's a bad thing um harden's been like mostly great i would say you know good to great he's had like uh like maybe two or three like games where he's like looked really mid uh you know he's doing this thing where he's like being the, like a true point guard um as opposed to like hunt, hunting his shot and he doesn't look like he's got that full athleticism back um, I don't think it's gone because he shows spurts. I just think the hammy's still bothering him and he's getting older. So who knows if it's really going to come back. So that's like an issue. Um, but I have seen him, uh, you know, he's starting to look aggressive. The first step he still has, he gets by the first defender. Um, you know, he's really making players around him much, much better outside of one, uh, which is fucking Tobias Harris, who still pisses me off uh, outside of like one or two good, good games he's had, but everyone else looks great and beating him look happy. The record's been positive. You know, they have new issues, but I, I think uh, everyone's pretty thrilled with it. For sure. I mean, you get, you get James Harden. I mean, your record's nine and four since, since uh, Harden made his debut. Um, it's tough to really say that it's been a negative experience just because, like, Ben Simmons wasn't playing. So I think overall, like, just how this season has gone, like, you bring in James Harden. And it was always going to be a positive experience. Yeah. Like, there, there, there was never going to be a negative. It's It just depends on how good it was, I think, you know. Honestly, yeah, and it really just seeing how high the ceiling is. I think of everybody, like, you have a massive talent that James Harden is. Obviously, I have my feelings on James Harden as a player, but you can't deny the incredible offensive talent that he is and just, like, the gravity that he has. And yet, in my opinion, I do think he does look that step slower. And I think that, I mean, you started to see it even last year when he was with Brooklyn, but he changed his pace and obviously the floor being spread with, you know, Kyrie and Durant. Like, you, were, mm -hmm. you can do whatever the hell you want. Now it's like he has the full attention of the lead guard. He has all that around him. Maxie's done a great job as a deputy. He's kind of been a little bit of, I, I would say, a roller coaster to a certain extent. He's had incredible games where he's in full takeover mode. And then you see mm -hmm. games like against the Nets, like against, you know, the Nuggets when he was kind of going back and forth, like Bones Highland. Like, he shouldn't have to go back and forth Bones Highland. Like, he needs to I mean, he's be young, that right? guy, like, which is crazy. That. But, like, now because you've now brought in James Harden, like, the expectation just goes through the roof. And also, like you mentioned, because Tobias Harris sucks ass, Maxi has to step up because Tobias Harris looks like a lost puppy dog out there. And Bede was always going to be the dominant guy. I mean, I'm wearing the yeah. guy's jersey right now. Got to represent him. It's just 
it's tough because now you're starting to see the weaknesses of this team and it, it's not going to be in the offense in any way, shape or form. Like it's going to be the defense. So like, what do you think is the biggest negative for this team right now? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious, right? It's, it's the bench. It's, it's the bench. It's the backup center minutes. And I can go on forever about how fucking doc rivers just refuses to give any young guy minutes. You know, I think, you know, I don't blame them for trying Deandre, right. I really don't like played with Harden for a while. He's tall. He has, he can block a little bit, but like he'll have some spurts. He's all right. Stop gap, right. Whatever. I don't mind that. But then they're both out or Harden or I'm sorry. Embiid was out last, last night. And they're like, you know what? Let's just go with fucking Paul Millsap and Jordan. And I was like, how how are you not running? They have Bassey on the roster. They have Paul Reed on the roster. They're rostering five centers right now. And it makes no sense. And they're only giving them to, to the vet. It's it's weird. So the backup center is a mess. And you knew that was going to happen because they had Drummond on a ridiculous deal. Obviously, the Nets really wanted him. So And I do that deal every time they get harder. But the, the rest of the bench, you know, they won last last night without Harden and without Embiid because the rest of the bench exploded for the first time in months. Korkmaz, mm-hmm. 20 points. Milton had like 20 points. You know, like Niang balled out. Like that's, you're not going to get that. You might not get that once in a full seven game series. Like, so I think the bench is going to be rough. And I think they're going to need to do a lot of retooling in the off season to kind of fix all of that. Hopefully they can, but it's definitely the bench um, defense. I could give a shit about because they've shown that they can get stops when, when, when they need Harden's even looked really solid at, at points, like getting good stops. Like obviously he has his lack of days at goals and he's like, Oh shit on me. But like defense, I'm not really worried because they'll score with anyone. And then I, you know, you just need to get the stops, but it, it's the bench scoring and the backup center. That's just you know brutal. Yeah, no, I mean, the bench is like such a massive glaring weakness. And it's that's by far for me the biggest negative. Like when you lose, yes, you got James Harden. I completely understand it. You lost Seth Curry, you lost Andre Drummond. And I think I think Drummond was a massive loss because that was the best center that the best backup center the Sixers have ever really seen mm-hmm. Easily. since Joel Embiid has been in there. And like DeAndre Jordan is just a scrub of all players. Like he got cut from the Lakers. Like we, we, we knew it was going to happen. And I think it's, it, it's just weird. Like Shake Milton is probably the most inconsistent player on that bench. Like Cork Maz is a flamethrower who shoots like 34, 35% from three and is like labeled a sharpshooter. It's really weird. He's been um, largely asked this year. He had a good yeah. year last year, a good like bench year last year. This year he's been like really off. So if he ever comes back and starts firing, you know, maybe they look better, but, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, Milton, super inconsistent, the rest of them are whatever. I still do that trade. Like you, you don't let a backup center hold up a trade yeah. that James, James Harden. No, I understand. And you do that too and whatever, but yeah, like they, they have issues they need to fix hundred percent. It's it's just tough because like it shows what happens. And, and I know that doc was kind of doing that little like platoon for a little bit when like he would keep Embiid and Maxi on the floor together, but then he would keep Harden and Harris on the floor together. And like that lasted for like four games because then the next game happened and kind of like was the, it was legitimately like, like an oh shit moment like all right we, we can't do this like at all um the Nets like punch them in the mouth they didn't really have a plan for it and now they definitely you see rivers trying a lot of different lineups but it's still not the lineup combinations that people want to see and i'm not saying fans are always right but i do understand like the depth is such a big issue like how much worse can paul reed be like how much worse can charles bassey be and i'm not saying they're jumpers names too. That's why fans want them is because they're jumpers and they're maybe Paul's not as tall, but Bassey is literally a jump out the gym, like huge dude. And listen, and like 
no one thinks that they're going to be like the second coming. They're not going to be Andre Drummond. They're just going to be guys that can catch lobs and like won't get lost on defense. And like, or uh, Jordan just like gets lost. I'm like, you can't lose a center. Like you're like, no. you're a bat. I don't know. So yeah, it's, I agree. It's tough. And then, and then also playmaking off the bench is non-existent. Shake Milton. No one's saying he's a point guard. You're not asking him to do, a lot but there are there are times that he just like doesn't look like an NBA player and that's that's a huge issue for me and my question to you is like is there enough is there enough depth on this roster to make a legit championship run like does this team because you look at teams like the Boston Celtics you look at teams like the Milwaukee Bucks like even depth like the Chicago Bulls or even I mean the Miami Heat have depth and I know it's tough like the U.S. have the star power obviously but when it comes down to over a seven game series is there enough positive on this bench to make a deep run? Yeah, I think stars win, right? I don't think benches win. And so, uh, like, I would take the Sixers over most of those teams, I think, honestly, in a seven-game game series. You're going to have it, like, I think sometimes the benches get, like, people put too much weight into how good someone's bench is. Because then, like, once you go into versus the Bucks, like, are they going to be playing, I don't know, Wesley Matthews or whoever, like, 30 minutes a game like they have like all these things where it's like these guys who are only going to get 10 minutes or eight minutes a game like people are putting so much weight into that mm -hmm. and i just i would just throw all my weight into the big three or whatever you want to call it with the sixers and just hope that like you just get one of these guys that pops off i think they have enough i do do i think they're going to get it no but i think they have enough to at least compete for it no i mean it, it definitely helps obviously as you head in the playoffs feel like now those 10 man rotations legitimately go to eight man rotations yeah. i just think that you look at the the east like the, the Eastern conference has never in for as long as i've been a fan of the nba looked like this there has never been and we'll talk about it later like this deep of a conference but also like the amount of star power and like kind of like what you said about stars win the league you can argue that every single team in the top six has a legit star to two stars that can compete with Joel Embiid and James Harden, and maybe not up to that caliber, but that's where that depth comes in. If Harden and, you know, Embiid are at like a, the top and say, for example, a team like Chicago with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, who are, you know, maybe one tier below them. And I, I'm not a believer in Chicago in any way, shape and form, but just the factor of that, they can throw pieces out there like Lonzo Ball, Io DeSuma, Patrick Williams has come back. You have Alex Crusoe. They have depth pieces over and over. Well, that's that a perfect case. Do you like their bench is way better than the Sixers? Do you think they yeah. could beat the Sixers in a series? No, because I hate their defense. Exactly. So, like, you know, you can go through that with any team. This the Celtics. Do you think the Celtics can beat the Sixers in a series? Absolutely. See, I think you're wrong. Do you think I don't know? The Cavs aren't beating them. The Raptors aren't no. beating them. So, like, it's star power, and then you got to patchwork the rest. Their patchwork isn't good, but. It's star power to me. No, but I do think that legitimately three teams in the East can beat can beat the 76ers and potentially four, depending on like a Miami Heat matchup. Because the Miami Heat, I think, are such a good structured team and such a good defensive team that it's going to come down to do they have enough offense? And they're kind of like the polar opposites of you guys. Uh, I You guys are essentially being the nets of last year of like, all right, our defense isn't really great. We're just going to out-offense you guys, which – worked out really well for the Nets last year in those 16 games that Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant playing together. I mean, it was the offense was legitimately magical. It was historical. Like, now you have that opportunity with a Maxi, a Harden, and a Bede, uh, Tobias Harris when he wants to play. Like, that's incredible. Like, you throw in 
you know, Thibault in there for shits and gigs on defense, whatever. But that's a, a magical offensive lineup. Then you throw out the Miami Heat, who are going to go five deep on defense, but can they muster up enough offense to compete? So I think that'd be a great series to watch. And I really think that it comes down to, well, if they can slow down and beat and force James Harden to take over a game, I'm not sure James Harden can be that guy. He hasn't proven to be that in the playoffs. He's an incredible offensive talent and creator. But if they legitimately take away Joel Embiid and double team him every single time, can Harden do it? I think that's tough because he hasn't been able to do that in a seven-game series. And I'm just fucking pumped for the playoffs. I think it's oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. incredible. But yeah. you look at teams like the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics have legitimately the best defense in the NBA. But then you have a scoring duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are averaging 60 points combined over the past two months. Like, that's defense and offense. Plus, you have Rob Williams, who's legit defense player of the year candidate. Al Horford, who wants every bit of revenge against the Philadelphia 76ers. Al Horford's getting cooked. <laughs> no matter that I agree. what. But, like, whoa, who's going to cook him? Tobias Harris? Like, no. And like, Bede is cooking his ass. And I re- realistically, they're probably going to put Rob Williams on it, but that's not here or there. You know, they also have, you know, yeah, all yeah, NBA, we, we don't have to get into it. Yeah, all NBA I, defender. I all NBA defender Marcus Smart. Like then you have Derek White, you have Grant Williams. No, they're not world beaters, but like they go seven, eight legit NBA depth where the Sixers can't do that. They go five deep. They have a great starting lineup, but if they're getting cooked, if who boy, is Shake Milton going to outplay Derek White? Absolutely not. Is George Niang going to outplay Grant Williams? No. So it's like I think those players. I think they're they're I think they're kind of comparable. Niang's been Niang's been a freak this year. He's yeah, like the people, only reason that they're in this position, which is so people, wild. People underrate Grant Williams, dog. Grant Williams is a 44% three-point shooter and also like a legit two-way defender. The dude's solid. And again, he's not a world beater in any way, shape, and form. But I think they're at least similar. I think they're at least similar start, players. They're definitely similar play styles. But it's like the Celtics have come out of absolutely nowhere and their defense is up to up to snuff and they're getting carried we by We also called that, by the way. They're on the on, on the trade uh, the trade pod we, we did, we, we were like, bragging about or not bragging we were like boasting about how great the Derek white pickup was and we were like Absolutely. that's gonna make them a phenomenal team and like you could just kind of see it unlock some stuff in different lineups for them yeah because it just fits like don't all you have to do is just figure out a smart offense it's a connector we talked about getting a playmaking point guard i know i kind of like mocked mike Connolly to this team and i think that'd be still a good team but you were able to keep Mark Smart. You traded Romeo Langford in a first, like congratulations. And you get Derek White, a 27-year-old, proven he averaged 14 points for his career. Like he's a steady three-point shooter. He just connects this roster. You bring him off the bench. You start him. You do whatever you want to do matchup-wise. And you let Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just go dominate the fucking game, which they have. And they have the second best record in the NBA behind the Mavericks over the past two months. They're absolutely incredible. And they're riding high into the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. they're at another level. And I think that because of that, they're playing a two-way game that, if the offense of the Sixers is like at number one, but if the Celtics defense is two and the Boston Celtics offense is three and the Sixers offense is four, like I, I would take that combination of the Celtics over the combination of the Sixers over a seven game series. I wouldn't, but you know, I guess I wouldn't ar- ar- argue there in that point. And I'm a Sixers, right? So like, you know, that's how that goes. I just think Embiid's playing at a certain level and Harden unlocks so much for the team that, you know, yeah, fucking Shake Milton sucks. Yeah. You know, Niang misses threes you know, Isaiah Joe can't hit a shot like that. I think Embiid <laughs> putting up 40 and 10 is going to be enough to win four games out of a seven game series. You know, I do. I, I get that. And I do like, for me, it's the playoff success of Harden. Like I'm, I, he needs to prove it to me before anything. He is an incredible regular season player. He's an incredible talent. 
but he has, it's been very stated. He shot 41% of the last five years in the playoffs. He shot 31% from three and he's averaged five turnovers. His scoring, scoring how many down. Points? What's up? Scoring how many points? 29 by taking 23 shots from the field. Like that's not impressive. He's shooting. It's fine. It's still 29 points. But the, like, but that's the Sixers hard, that, need that. That's all they that, need. That's, but that's what that's my whole efficient. argument. It but, doesn't fucking matter if it's overly efficient or not. You that get the absolutely matters if it takes that, not as much as I think because he's always on all those teams. He was like the only guy at the end of the game. Like you know, you could see Chris Paul hundred percent, but the rest of those guys that he played with weren't that guy. He had to be that guy, and he did a lot. And yeah, he had a couple of really bad games. So I think his I think that's really overstated and he's got to prove it short to some people. But now he's playing with the best player in the NBA and this is his best shot. And if he, and if he looks like dog shit as a second tier guy, sure, whatever. But I just think that the efficiency. Yeah, I'll take fucking 30 points if he's shooting 30 percent from the field. I don't care. Still that's 30 horrible. points. From that's, but I'm that, just that's saying not impressive. If it I, takes, it doesn't need to be impressive to get the points. That's what I'm saying. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. If, if I have people that are going to get me 30 points on less than 20 shots, how is that less impressive than if James Harden does it, gets you 30 points with mid-20s in attempts? Like that, because I don't you understand. Have, because he's not the 1A. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, like if him and B do that, dead, right? They're dead in the water. But like, that's what I'm saying. He was always the 1A. And when mm-hmm. he's fucked up, he's going to, that whole team falls. But if he fucks up, and he's shooting terrible percentage in the playoffs, but he's still scoring points, bad percentage. If Embiid's balling, it doesn't matter as much. And that's my point. He's not well, leading the roster anymore. That's my whole point. I know he's got to prove himself, but he has the best player he's ever played with right next to him. Besides the Nets last year, you know, you can argue yeah. Durant or whatever. But well, like, that I, I, I get, that's, I get that's my saying. point. I get what you're saying from that point, but teams are going to take away Harden. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Teams are going to take away Embiid. Like, they're not going to go after Harden. They're going to force Harden to, to what do, be you, what do you guy. think taking taking away Embiid looks like? Double team every single time with the ball. And like you one know that, that happens every game now, right? Not even remotely as yes, much it as does. in the playoffs. It happens every single possession he's doubled. Every he's, he's an incredible player and I understand that. But again, you're going to force Harden to be that one A. That if if I'm any NBA coach in the playoffs, like I, I'm going to force James Harden to beat me. Like, you, yes, you're going to double-team Joel Embiid. You're, he's gonna, still going to get to the free-throw line 10 times a game because he's a, a freak-of-nature player. You can't stop these players. He's not. You, you can't take hope them to contain away. Him. You can't take those guys away. This The same way you would take away, like, taking away Jalen Brown and taking away Embiid are two completely different things. Like, taking away Embiid, he's still putting up 30 points. He's still putting up 10 rebounds. He's still putting up five assists. Like, that's taking away Embiid. Like, I, I think the taking away and putting it on Harden is not really what's going to happen because you're not taking him away. He's just going to shit on people. And I get what, again, I get it. Like he's, he, I, I'm wearing the man's jersey. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Joel Embiid. Like he, I'm not I, accusing I, you of like not. You know, no, you know and I'm that's like. what I'm saying. Like he's he's an incredible player. He's in, But in the playoffs, it's, it's a completely different world. I mean, it just is like you, yes, taking away, like you say with everybody, the same thing with the, the LeBron James argument, the Kevin Durant argument, the, the Giannis argument of, of everything of, of the past of whoever is the best player in, in the league or whatever that standard is, like you just have to slow him down. If you get if you get Joel Embiid below his averages, if he's averaging 30 and you get him to, to score 26, you won the fucking battle. Like that's just what it is. So if you can do that to Joel Embiid and if James Harden is not stepping up his game in the playoffs, then you're dead in the water. Yes, yeah, so if Joel Embiid gets you 25 12 and 5 you win 
as the opponent. Like that's my win right there. I'm taking that 10 times out of 10. And it's tough because yes, he's still going to dog me for 25 in that sense, but it's still the fact of he could get me for 40. So it's yep. just like you're so that to me, no, you're not going to take this person away. It's the sense of like, we have to do everything we can to force that man to not have the ball. And I want to put the ball in James Harden's hand because he looks a step slow. He hasn't proven in the playoffs in that sense. He's an incredible talent. And also Max is inexperienced. He's an incredible player. He needs to do it in the playoffs too. I know what the fuck Tobias Harris can do in the playoffs. He's going to take that, two goddamn dribbles. He's going to take two goddamn dribbles. Yeah. It's going to be just, less. It's going to be less taking away Harden. They go hand in hand. The way I would probably say it, and I would agree with, is yeah. they're going to fucking force Thibel, mm-hmm. Maxi, maybe not Maxi because he's starting to earn some respect from three. But they're going to force to they're going to force Tobias to to win the game. Like so, that's what I would say. They're not going to force Harden to win. They're going to force Tobias to be the guy because they're going to they're going to throw the doubles at Harden. And if he can't, and he's going to fucking kick it because he's been doing a great job at kicking. Mm-hmm. And if the guys around can't shoot, then that's the issue. That's how I would frame it, if that makes more sense. No, I mean, I, I think it makes perfect sense. And I guess when I say take away Harden, so Harden has proved over the past, I would say for me, two to three years as a true playmaker. When he was on that Houston offense, like he was a playmaker by de facto. Now it's like, okay, when he stepped foot in Brooklyn during his last year in Houston and now in this year with the Sixers, like he looks like a legit point guard. Like you said, he looks tentative, almost like trying to score. Yeah. to where he's like he doesn't really know what he's doing to a certain extent of do i take the step back is it the right time he looked tentative but when it comes to his pure playmaking and pick and roll he's a goddamn maestro and it's and it's been magic to watch so when i say take him away i'm saying limit his playmaking and force him to be a scorer because i think he doesn't want to be that right now he wants to de fact two. he wants to give harris the shots he wants to give max the shots he wants to give him be the shots so if that's his mindset right now force him to do the, to do the opposite force him to take these mm-hmm. step backs, force him to take these contested long twos, force him to drive into double teams and try and get the foul called, like get him out of his comfort zone because that's not, his, that's not who he is anymore. So if I'm doing that and Harden shooting five of 15 or, or five of 13 from the field and go six, seven from the free throw line, that's a win. Like that's where I'm pushing my eggs and saying, Hey, this is the James Harden I want because Harden can beat anybody on a pick and roll and kick it to Tobias Harris and that's also a win because my Harris is going to do it. But Harris has proven that he can be a 40% three-point shooter as long as he's not being an absolute moron taking two steps and shooting fadeaways. Yeah. Yep. So if he can do that and be that spot-up shooter, I mean, you look at Maxi in this last heat game, dude fucking took over, cooked Tyler Hero for, I don't know, it seems like four minutes straight, went on a personal 9-0 run, five or five from the field. Like Maxi has so much juice to him, but then you see those like uberly energetic like vibes from him. And then the Nets game, where he comes up, takes two dribbles, pulls up from 30 feet and airballs it. And it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. But he's so young. So you're yeah. going to get those incredible games. You're going to get those high-level games of him dropping 27. He's going to steal a game for you in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. Maxi? But he's going lo- to lose a game for me. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know saying, if he'll like, lose. I just think it, it, it just I guess depends how you frame the loss, right? If he's just like being too passive, then yeah, you could say that, you know, like, like I don't, yeah. Being passive. Like if he's there's cause there are times like in that Nets game, like you, like he was, uh, it was almost like he was like, Oh, Harden's going to do this. Like, this is mm-hmm. Harden's time. Let me just literally go sit in the corner. Like, like Ben Simmons would. And like, that isn't going to work. And then you can no. see like, you know, he's going to have to step up. So yeah, it's fair. It's going to be really inter- interesting. I think the whole thing, you know, it's it it's Harden's best player he's ever played with. I think you know, minus Durant, 
it's, you know, he's playing that kind of, but I was going to bring up a four is that he's kind of doing what Chris Paul does where like, he doesn't even look for his shot until he gets the rest of the team involved. Mm -hmm. Like there are times where Chris Paul doesn't even like look to score until the fourth quarter. Cause he's like, all right, everyone else is starting to cook. Like we need buckets. I'm going to get it now. And Harden hasn't really done that. He did it like maybe two, two or three games um, where like he took over a bit in the fourth and, and, and won him stuff. So if he could prove to do that on a more consistent basis, they, they get dangerous, but definitely short. He's, he's been very tentative at points and it's definitely pissed off some Sixer fans. Like there's been times where it's like, bro, just, just fucking shoot. Like stop looking weird. Like he'll, he like broke a dude's ankles. Like, last week fried him and where he would have like stared at him and then hit the three completely pass out and like the, the bias in the corner. So, you know, agreed. Well, let's see what happens. I think it's uh there, there'd be a really an, an interesting case study. I think. It, it's definitely interesting. And I think that a couple things of, is there, is there, so you have the nuggets game, which was a great game of, you have Jokic going at it with Embiid, kind of going back and forth. And it's like, there's obviously this so many questions of, okay, who's better? Is it Jokic? Is it Embiid? And obviously me and you are, we're going to say Embiid. We're going to have that conversation. It's not really a debate for us, but Jokic has to get his credit, especially for how yeah. he's kind of transformed his game. And as well as just on the defensive end, Jokic was an absolute joke of a defender for his past you know, three, four seasons in the NBA. Last year, he stepped up a lot defensively. And this year, he has a top five defensive rating in the NBA. That doesn't mean a lot defensively, but he's not blocking a lot of shots, not contesting a lot of shots. He's just putting his body in the right position, which he has never done before. He stepped up a lot with Murray being out, and Porter being out, and he's being obviously this incredible offensive engine, but now he's keeping them in games defensively to where he's throwing his body around. He's just throwing his hands up and hoping that it works, which has been great. It's been incredible. And I think that's what separates him from just like a Vooch kind of player where it's like he's an offensive player, offensive all-star, and then he really doesn't give you jack shit on the defensive end. So I think for him, what's been more impressive for you, trying to take away your bias, has it been Jokic improving on the defensive end or Joel Embiid improving on as a playmaker now that he has all this gravity to him being this offensive hub to a certain extent because Ben Simmons has been out pre-hardened and saying, okay, he's averaging career high in assists. He's averaging over five, almost five assists a game. He hasn't even had to ever have this kind of playmaking and step that way. Which one has been a little bit more impressive from a pure basketball perspective for their games? I think from a watching standpoint, right? Like I, I'm a big analytics guy and I, I believe in all of that and I'm not an anti-guy, but I feel like Jokic is that guy that like the analytic nerds are just like, they just salivate over, right? Because yeah, he's just like, to him. he's dominant. And and I don't disagree. Jokic is a dominant and I don't ever want to like, I'm not negative Jokic, right? Mm-hmm. But I think when I'm watching the games, I, and I don't watch him every night. So obviously, you know, I can get fried, but like I, he, it's, he's definitely better. He looks a little more, more slim, but it, it's still not impressive. And I still see him get cooked like from time to time, right? When I watch him bead and obviously I watch him every night. So like, I'm trying to take the bias away, but like, he used to throw away so many balls. He used to think he had to do everything and he would, and like ch- chuck up prayers this year, he's hitting some prayers. So he's in like weird mode this year. He's fucking going insane. But like he used to try to do everything this year. He's finding the perfect reads out of doubles, like really trusting the teammates. He's doing the hockey assists. Like his playmaking has really impressed me. Is it like overly impressive? Like when you watch, I don't know. Right. But I just think that he, him turning the ball over less really makes the game flow much easier and he's much better to watch. He's not like over dribbling, fumbling the bag. And all of a sudden there's like a transition break for the other team. So I think that for me has been more impressive, but I will say 
that Jokic not being a turnstile anymore. Dude used to be a traffic cone now that he's like able to kind of understand positioning a little bit more and he does look leaner. So, you know, I, I think they're both pretty even, like you can tell, like it's obviously had uh, great impacts for both teams. Yeah. Um, I think just really focusing on the team versus the player. Cause I think that they both improved a lot as a player. I think for what it means to the team perspective, I think Jokic improving on the defensive end means so much more to the Denver Nuggets than Embiid improving as a playmaker because if you give Embiid a lead guard, you see what happens. So you, now you have James Harden, you know, Maxi set up as a playmaker. So like he really hasn't, he doesn't necessarily need to be that. He just needs to be the smart guy passing out of double teams, not necessarily being the, the offensive initiator, very similar like how Jokic is that guy. He's that point center, which is just fucking absurd. But when you look at what, how the Nuggets are constructed, like Joel Embiid is the defensive anchor for the Sixers, he is a, you know, the closest thing that we've had to Akeem Olajuwon defensively, just pure impact wise is absolutely incredible. But Jokic being able to now be a defensive anchor to a certain extent of locking down the paint, contesting shots, just using his body and using his IQ because he, he has arguably the best IQ in the NBA, just how he reads the game for his size is amazing. And now because Murray's not, not a plus defender, Porter's not a plus defender. Gordon is a plus defender. And then really who you're going to throw at the two guard, Will Barton is a decent defender. So they really do, don't have a good defensive team. So him stepping up defensively, playing with guys like Monte Morris, Compazzo, Jeff Green, you know, Jamichael Green, like him stepping up at the defensive end means so much for the Nuggets. Because if these two come back for the playoff run, that is a massive step up because he's proven that he can do it with these clearly lesser talents. So when these two step into the lineup, it's going to be and potentially carry them to the top of the Western Conference. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I he's definitely improved. I just don't mm-hmm. know if it has, you know, I, like the analytics are there. I just, I would love to see it in the playoff series. Would love to see. And oh, that goes 100%. for Embiid, too. I, 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 that goes for Embiid. Like, if he, you know, all of a sudden is it's the playoffs and he's like, I got to put up 60 a night you know, playmaking is gone. That, that ruins the team. I think the same way where if, you know, all season Jokic has looked, looked good because people are a little soft in the regular season, then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting attacked in the paint. Is he still going to hold up? Who knows? I think, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool wrinkles. It's cool to see players improve their game so much. Like, like it's all like these guys just do what's asked of them. And that's like what superstars are like mm-hmm. Embiid couldn't shoot learn that playing with Ben Simmons, he should probably learn how to shoot. Now he's a really, you know, pretty good three, three point shooter. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't ball handle. They didn't, they lost their point guard. Now he's a pretty solid playmaker. Same thing. Like you said, goes for the nuggets lost all their defensive. There's no one there. Joe is like, shit. Well, someone's got to do it. I'm just going to handle it. You know, they lost Jamal Murray. He's not a great playmaker. He's good, but now they don't have zero. And he's like, shit. I'm the entire team now. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fun to watch these guys kind of uh, just like pick up the pieces and be like, well, someone's got to do it. So I'm going to do it. And that's, you know, not many people can do that. I want to see this rivalry for like the next five plus years. I think Which that is funny because so, they're not even like, like, like they like each other and they, yeah. they, they promote each other. And like when they're on the, on the court together, they're like smiles and like whatever. So it's cool. Like they're, I think they're just happy that big men are just playing well. And it's just like more fans because it's so like, have you seen like the, that boy nice. And then like the analytics guy, like there's so many mm-hmm. funny memes with like, you know, anyone who like watches ball loves and beat or people who like just watch the box score and analytics like Jokic and like the Twitter, you know, shit is so crazy, but 
uh, it's definitely fun. And, uh, you know, they're probably not going to meet in the championship. Right. But like, I just think I, I, I can't wait to watch both teams kind of fight it out. And uh, hopefully the Nuggets can kind of pick themselves up a bit because they're kind of dropping down the standings a bit. Absolutely. But I mean, also, you saw what Giannis was able to do last year and like finally break through that ceiling and say, okay, like he's the guy, he's going to do it. Whether, you know, the Eastern Conference is weaker, you know, Kevin Durant's big toe. There's so many factors, obviously. It's a finals run. It's it's, it's what happens. Like Jokic is too good to not make an NBA finals. Like Joel Embiid is too good to, to never not make an NBA finals. So I think it's just more like, does it line up to where we see seven games of Joel Embiid and Nikolai Jokic go at it because holy fuck, that'd be amazing. It'd like, be fun. It'd be really fun. Like, like that'd just be incredible because you have these two players who are legitimately, you know, at the top of their position. You know, you there are there. There's no not not a debate in the world who's going to be the number one. You know, All NBA first team, All NBA second team center. They're they're literally going to dominate that position and the award for the next five to seven years as long as they you know bearing health. So it's just like, can these teams step it up around them to make that push to do that? And I think it's so interesting because for Embiid, he really hasn't set up in the playoffs until last year, but his number two just completely shit the bed in Ben Simmons. And now you have Jokic realistically has actually been the only one that has had playoff success to a certain extent by making a Western Conference Finals. You know, Jamal Murray went fucking super Saiyan, taking it back from back-to-back 3-1 deficits and making two mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals. So he's really the only one that has had that kind of success to a certain extent. So it's like, can they both, you know, for Embiid, I think a, a successful season for him is like getting to the Western, I'm sorry, the Eastern Conference Finals and like saying, okay, like I'm right there. Like we're right mm-hmm. here. Like, can we do it? Another year of Maxi, another year of Harden, like bring him back. Like, what does that look like? Does Or do they get bounced in the first round? Do they get bounced in the second round? Like this playoffs is going to be so important to what this team looks like in the future, how they build the bench, what the depth looks like. Like, what does that look like? And also, does Doc Rivers come back? Because I hate what he's done with this team as a Me coach. And I am such a Doc Rivers guy. I mean, I've, we've talked so many times of like, I think he's such a great player coach. I think he connects so well. But holy fuck, man. Like, it's like old man yells at kids playing on lawn. Like, like, like adjust. Like, get yeah. with the times. He deal with something. Like, like, do it. Like, I love. And I, I want to bring up the recent game against the Raptors. Um, I think Nick Nurse can make an argument that he is the, the third best coach in the NBA. I think for me, Greg Popovich is obviously number one, and I would put um, Eric Spolcho as number two. I think um, Steve Kerr has had the luxury of having every Hall of Fame player in imaginable. So I'm not, not, I don't want to discredit him because obviously he has those championships, but if Kevin Durant doesn't go there, do we, does that happen? So I think Nick Nurse, what he's been able to do with this team and how he is just so forward thinking. When you guys played the Raptors a couple of days ago, um, they didn't have Fred Van Vliet. They were running a lineup that I, we haven't seen that, that, that length. We just haven't seen Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananubi, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, and Chris Boucher. Crazy. That is the longest fucking lineup I have the, the world has ever seen. And also you sprinkle in Scotty Barnes in there. Mm-hmm. Like that is a that is a, a insufferable starting lineup. Like that's that box score 93-88 was like something you see in like the 1990s. Like yeah, was, was they just shut they shut the Sixers down to the core. They 
were long in Embiid's face. They were long in Harden's face. They took away Maxi in every way, shape, and form. They didn't even have their technical, almost best player in, in, on the team in Ben Vliet. So does a team like that, with what they're able to do size-wise, could that be a kryptonite kind of thing for how to take out a team like the Sixers of like just that length? And I'm not saying that many teams have that, but I just look at what Nick Nurse has been able to do and how he just like, hey, like, we got to figure this fuck out. And he's not afraid to just like push buttons. He started mm-hmm. three centers, Preston Achua, Boucher, and Siakam. Yeah. Just threw him out there. Achua was shooting. Boucher was shooting. But they didn't, they didn't miss a beat on offense to a certain extent. But they were suffocating on defense. And I love when a coach is able to make those adjustments. And that is what scares me about Doc Rivers of how he just continues to roll the same eight, nine, ten players out there. Mm-hmm. But like – will like switch up and be like, ooh, let me start Paul Millsap instead of George Yang. Like he doesn't do anything that actually like changes anything. What if he runs out Charles Bassey? Like I'm not saying, like I look at Tom Thibodeau and I give him a a shit ton of discredit for what he does, but him throwing out Jericho Sims for 10, 12 minutes and letting him just run, be a long jumper. The dude averaged, he started three or four games, averaged almost 10 rebounds a game. Mm -hmm. If Charles Bassey can go out there and get you, two to four points and almost 10 rebounds in 14 minutes of work dub absolute dub mm-hmm. like yeah you, you need the coaches that aren't scared to do that i agree nick nurse is a great coach um and yeah like i like i don't know if teams like that have enough to beat the sixers in a seven game series but they definitely have enough to steal yeah. like two games you know yeah like eat like easy like i don't think that's like you know like they, they could come out game one and like you know just like shock the shit out of the sixers mm-hmm. And, you know, do I think Doc's going to make the adjustments? No, but I think Embiid is going to make the adjustments. Yeah. Like, like Embiid and Harden are going to be like, all right, we can't do the typical shit. Let's do this. And, like, they'll figure it out. But, I, but yeah, I think, you know, like, those good coaches, like, they're just going to steal some games. And, like, if they could go off, you know, you get Van Fleet to pop off a bit or something. It, like, OG hits, like, six threes. And, like, all of a sudden you're cooking. Like, you know what I mean? Like, shit happens and that's the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't think teams like that have enough to beat them. Uh, but, yeah, they definitely have enough to steal a couple games and. uh and I think that's a good formula. Like, yeah, if you have an athletic, you know, long team, then yeah, like that, that, that's the key to beat. Not just the Sixers, probably most teams. A lot in the of NBA, teams, yeah. You know. You're going to piss off a lot of, a lot of NBA franchises running lineups like that to where it's like, okay, we're going to run like some form of like a one, three, one, two, three zone and just like extend your arms and just cut mm. off every single passing lane possible. So I love that they were able to do that. And I thought it was, it was so cool to watch from a fan perspective. Like it was like yeah. a chess match, but like, Doc Rivers like didn't know the instructions. Doc, so he was just Doc, like Doc playing yeah. checkers and, <laughs> he's just, and Nick Nurse is playing chess. Like he's just he's like, just looking at the board, like which color am I? Like he has no fucking idea. <laughs> but it, but it's also crazy that like you guys only lost by five in that sense. So mm-hmm. it's like they did they had to throw out all the stops for your team to like only lose by five. So it's yeah. crazy just that level of talent at the top and like how that can carry you and kind of like your point of how far superstars go and, and how they carry you. So it's definitely interesting. I just love like when a coach is able to make those adjustments and just like push the envelope. So it's definitely crazy. Yeah. Uh, going back to kind of last point with Jokic and Embiid, you look at these two teams and I want to look at like longevity for real quick. So two, three years down the line, like who has more success? Like which team is set up better for success? Is it the 76ers or is it the Nuggets? I think that's, it, it's really interesting because uh, you you can I don't even think it's an argument that the rest of the roster 
for the Nuggets is better than the Sixers, right? Like they yeah. have way more potential. I'm, I don't know what their pick situation looks like. I imagine they have almost all of them because I don't. I feel like they haven't made a lot of trades. Um, but where I think the Sixers have an advantage is because they probably have, you know, two of the three best players on, on both of those teams. Maybe you can argue, argue Jamal Murray or whatever. Um, you have a lot of injury history there on the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think, yeah. And so I think the Nuggets are, I don't know if they're scared or if like they need to go out to me and, and get a, a stud, like a superstar, like super, superstar, and just pair them and just go three wide and just go nuts. The Sixers, like, they'll do that. Like, Maury will go, like, he might, the entire team might be completely different behind Embiid, Maxi, and Harden next year. Like, he's yeah. willing to get rid of everyone to fix it, and I don't know if the Nuggets will do that. Like, Maury will go mad scientist, so that's why I think that they, longevity depends how you look. If you're looking, like, a five-year, maybe, like, three to five years, I think the Sixers have a better chance at a ring, so that's how I'm going to say they have more success. The okay. Nuggets might the Nuggets might be a better team over the next decade because they're, like, young, and they're going to co- grow. Like, they're yeah, probably going to, you know what I mean? Like, Jamal Murray, MPJ, like, they yeah. have these guys that are, like, they're always going to be, like, lingering in the back end of the Western Conference to me, but I don't think that they have they probably have firepower to go out and trade and get like a stud or something, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if they're, they're, they're going to do it. And so that's why I think if you're judging success, it's got to be championships. And I think the Sixers have, uh, you know, the best, the best options there. It's, I mean, obviously I, I would definitely say like championships are like the main reason that you do it. It's the main reason for the playing. So I, that's why I kind of threw up that two to three year timeline. Cause it doesn't get too far into the future. to where like this roster is like, insanely different than it already is most of these players are under contract for the next two to three years realistically so the rosters mm-hmm. will look similar but i do like maury's you know essentially big dick energy to a certain extent of like he will throw tobias harris and two first round picks that are going to you know relay in 2027 and 2029 to a team mm-hmm. like the thunder and say get him off my book so i can sign a free agent exactly. like yeah. that's what maury will do and but i do think the nugs have the biggest x factor on the roster and that's michael porter jr and if all you need is one team to fall in love with Michael Porter Jr. And you can get a star in return if you don't believe in Michael Porter Jr. Because I think that when you have a player like Jokic, is it worth the risk of continuously just throwing out MPJ and like hoping he's healthy? You know, as I a Cavaliers fan, I'm going to sit here and say like, yeah, fucking give me Michael Porter Jr. all day. Like, absolutely. But for a team that has arguably a top two, top three player in the league, you have a proven running mate in Jamal Murray when he's healthy, you know, the torn ACL is unfortunate, but he has never been hurt before that injury. Like mm-hmm. that is a freak injury. He has missed two games prior to that injury. He was just, is so durable. So that kind of injury sucks ass, obviously. Mm-hmm. So give me Jamal Murray all day. Is MPJ that third? No, it, like you can't. And that's so tough. Yeah. But the question is like, what, like it has to be a three team deal. Cause realistically you're working in MPJ to, uh, really a small market team you're trying to bring in a star but the question is like what is that star like what does that look like and that is like are you looking for a three and d because you have that in aaron gordon like do you go out and you know try and get jeremy grant and bring him in now that he's been able to kind of expand his offensive game and prove that he can be a little bit more of a scorer yes he's inefficient but he's playing on a team like the pistons you know bring him in with a guy like Jokic and let him go for 20 20 plus he's gonna shoot 46 47 percent that'd be incredible would you trade mpj for grant I think the way that the Nuggets are constructed, like, you know what Grant's going to give you, and he's still young. I think he's only, like, what, 28? Like, you know what Grant's going to give you, realistically, 
he's the perfect number three, I think, with Jokic plus the improvement on defense. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give, you know, give Grant his four-year 112 max, whatever the fuck he's looking for. You trade a guy like Porter, and you kind of wash your hands of it to a certain extent. And I know that's like maybe sound crazy, but why are you going to risk Jokic? Like he's giving you everything. He's your offensive engine. He's your point guard. He's your anchor defensively. He's giving you everything on both sides of the court. You know what Jamal Murray's going to give you. He's going to give you a solid 20 points, five assists, shooting very efficiently from both three field goal and free throw percentage. And throwing Jeremy Grant is a, a legit not even a three point, three and D, like a 20 point score and a great defender. Yeah, he's like, very well improved. Like, yeah, I'll take that all day over the potential of Michael Porter Jr. to play 30 games and like maybe he pops off for like a 40 point dominant performance, but like that's way too high of a risk. Very similar, like if he was on the Philadelphia 76ers, if, if MPJ was on the Sixers instead of a guy like Tobias Harris or, or Maxi, like mm-hmm. you have to get rid of him. Like it, it, it if he's not yeah. available and you're just running out Harden and Embiid, that's not enough. You I'll even say this to guy. a point. Like, if if the Sixers didn't have any other assets and all they had was Embiid and Maxi, just mm-hmm. say, kind of similar how, you know, whatever, like the Nuggets situation. And, uh, you know, a star player in their 20s, like a superstar player became available, I would probably trade Maxi for him just because of Embiid's timeline. And like, yeah. that's kind of how, like, and, you know, feels sacrilegious to say, but that's what teams have to do in the NBA. Like, you can't just bank on these 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds. Like, they're not all going to be LeBron or Durant coming out of college. So, like, you know, you just, like, sell that. And then, you know, to me, is Jeremy Grant enough? Like, probably with the injury his history, they baked in with them. MPJ, yeah. You know, would I do the maxi for Jeremy Grant? Probably not. But, like, different no. scenarios. But you know what I'm saying. Like, you trade the young, unproven to get – the the proven and ready to, mm-hmm. to win to me every single time so that's what i that's why i think the sixes are in a better spot and a slightly better future because i feel like the nuggets will not do that i i do agree and like i i miss like the the nuggets like masai ujiri like era of like that dude just balls that dude just like doesn't he traded carmel anthony like the dude mm-hmm. just doesn't give a fuck like he's yeah. out here just like doesn't matter he Traded, he traded fan favorite DeMar DeRozan. is like, you're not going to win me a championship. Kawhi Leonard will. I'll give you one year of Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's all I need. Like, no. those are the balls that, like, GMs need to have. And everyone, like, kind of frightens and, like, goes to the future. And it's just, like, it sucks because that's going to limit Jokic's ceiling. If yep. Porter Jr. is not available and, like, he's just, like, this massive what if. And, yeah, he's got a max contract with, like, all incentive base and game base. Like, that's not worth it. If he's going to play... Agree if 82 games a season, if he's going to play in the fifties and just rest up and you have to like, if, if he has a minutes restriction, like, what are you doing? You're not going to fight for a top two seed in the West. You're not competing with the Memphis Grizzlies who are only going to get better. The Phoenix Suns who are only going to get better. Devin Booker looks like he could be a point guard of the goddamn future. He looks incredible with Chris, without Chris Paul. He's mm-hmm. leveling the fuck up. Like the Warriors aren't going anywhere. Like the West, you know, Luka Doncic is just only going to get better. So you have to move up with that tier and as long as you have a, a massive risk like MPJ, like it's tough to sell the Nuggets future over Embiid, Harden, and Maxi. Yep, this. that's where I'm at. I I, I think you just got to condense and uh, and go for a stud if I'm if you're the Nuggets. And if they they do that, then it's a different conversation for me. Yeah, um, because you know I like a lot of their you know ancillary pieces around mm-hmm. around those studs. But um, yeah, interesting. All right. Eastern Conference tiers. So we got eight teams in the Eastern Conference. 
playoffs picture right now. Uh, we are going to remove the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets from this con- from this whole conversation because, well, they're not good right now. And they're not realistic of being an actual contender. So we have the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, Toronto Raptors, Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Brooklyn Nets. So, so we're talking tiers. So we have broken them down into three tiers from teams who we think are title favorites, teams that we think that potentially could be contenders if all the cards play right, very similar to like how it looked for the Phoenix Suns, if great matchups, what that looks like. And then a tier three of not quite there, really doesn't have, they have way too many weaknesses or maybe they're too young, whatever that sense is, but they're just, you know, going to give a good first round fight and just probably going to be a first round out. Um, so starting off in that tier three, who's in your tier three right now? I'm just like, not quite there yet. I got three teams there. Uh, I got the Cavs, I got the Bulls, and I got the Raptors. Those are my three that I have in that. Yeah. Um, I think they're all great teams, uh, but I think they're all, they have glaringly obvious weaknesses. Cavs are too young. They're not quite there yet. They're going to be, but they're just mm-hmm. not this year. It's incredible they're at where they are just because they're so young, but I love that team. So I think they have a really bright, bright future. You're a Cavs fan, so you obviously know. Um, I know, baby. The Bulls, I just don't think they got it, and they haven't, you know, uh, what's what's up with uh, with um, my God Lonzo? When, when's he back? Uh, so he just got cleared for conditioning, uh, ten to fourteen days conditioning. Uh, he's gonna get probably like five to seven game run uh, before Four. playoff season starts, which is great for them. Um, is it enough to like make a playoff push? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you. All year, you know, like, I'm right so there I don't with think, you. Yeah. It, this is like. Clear tier three for me, uh, Chicago, Cavs, Raptors. Um, it's exciting that the Cavs are even like in this conversation, uh, which is dope for me. Um, I think Evan Mobley is a huge factor of this and just what he's been able to do offensively and defensively. Um, yep. Darius Garland obviously leveled up to an all-star caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if any team is going to upset somebody in the first round, I think it will be the Cavaliers. Uh, and I don't even want to just like sound biased in that standpoint. I think it's just, like we've t- kind of talked about, uh, I love the depth, but star power is going to get you there. Um, a combination of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, as well as Jared Allen. And you incorporate a little bit of the shooting of Kevin Love, Larry Markkinen, Karis LeVert. Like they have a lot of offensive firepower while also being a top 10 defensive team that if they match up, you know, if, for example, the Chicago Bulls, if the Bulls are get a great regular season push and become the oh, they seed beat the Bulls. They and the Cavs are a six seed, Cavs can win that matchup. And I would probably, if I were to rank these teams, I'd probably say like Cavs, Raptors, Bulls. I know that probably sounds weird in that sense. It's like the Bulls are like, oh, well, they have Levine and they have, you know, they have DeMar DeRozan, incredible. Like it, it's defense for me. It, it, for me, it comes down to defense and what the length of these Raptors and Cavs teams, what they're able to do. And I, and I look at that center position and I look at Vooch and I look at Tristan Thompson backing him up and I look at Tony Bradley backing him up. And that is food for any big men because the Eastern Conference is just loaded with top-tier big men. Mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Pascal Siakam. I mean, the list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. of just they're going to dominate Vooch down low. He can't stop guards. He can't stop anybody. So that's a huge factor. And, yes, Patrick Williams is going to help. I get that. But DeMar is not playing anywhere near the level that he was playing 
before the all-star break. He's shooting mm-hmm. 42% from the field. His, all of his percentages are down. All of his stats are down. He's, he's unfortunately come back to earth, still playing incredible. will still yep. be an all NBA player, but we haven't heard a lick of him being an MVP candidate anymore. So I think if he's not playing at that level, like the bulls don't stand a chance. I agree. They're, they're, they're fun. And I think people like them. Yeah. And I like them too. Um, so maybe next year they could do some retooling and I don't know. I, I think they're exciting. So we'll see what happens, but I, I, I think they're bottom two. They have a huge, they have a huge off season ahead. Like Levine's a free agent. And I feel like that's not talked about a lot. They're going to get him I, back. I think I that's think... why. That's why you don't hear about it. Cause I think it's so obvious because Levine's bounced around so much. Listen, I like Levine's one of my favorite players in the league. I love that dude. I just think like he likes being there. And now that they got DeMar and I think they, they like Lonzo, like they're, they're having some success. So I think it's like, he's going to come back and they're just going to try to run it, run it back. And they might but, never get better than like the six or five seed, but like, you know. And that's the, and that's the question. I, I like, if the Bulls do get knocked out in the first round and if they lose like four to one or four to two in a series, or if they get dominated in a series, like, there's only so much you can improve on this roster. Like, like there's just only so much you can do. You have DeMar locked in for $30 million. You have Vooch locked in and you have Lonzo locked in. Like that's almost 70 plus million dollars locked in on contracts right there. Then you incorporate Caruso's $10 million. It's $80 million. Like you Basketball do not happens fast. And if they like, get, if they get like swept or only win a game in the playoffs, like, obviously, it's like over. You, you never know. Like, like yeah. they might, people will be, be like, oh, should we, should we, you know? So, yeah, I think that's kind of like a, it's probably not going to happen, but like they could explode and, and kind of like change up the, the landscape a little well, bit. Well, and, and that's kind of like my point of if they get dominated in the first round, they get dumped out. Like, why, what's the selling point to Levine? Like, hey, he can get money anywhere, he can get money anywhere. Like, I what's the ability? And he's, and he's, and he's moved around a lot. But I don't what, disagree. Moved like, around a lot. He's only played on the Timberwolves and the Bulls. I just feel like he's always that guy that's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. But like, <laughs> I, I feel like he's always that guy that's like, I don't know, like thrown around on shitty teams and like finally, I don't know, they finally put together a solid good season. I don't think anything's going to happen there. It could if they get absolutely shit on in the playoffs. Um, I don't think. It's I look happen. at it like this: if you were to tell me, okay, Zach, we're going to give you a max contract because yes, they can give him. The Bulls have the, the they can give them the extra year. They can give them that fifth year. They can give them like an extra like four percent more money wise. What do you fucking do? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna say okay, I'm gonna throw a random example here because I know they're gonna have cash space in the offseason. You can go to the Bulls and run back this team, or you can go to the Dallas Mavericks and go play with Luka Doncic. Yeah, and no, listen, I agree. Like I'm I'm a fan of the sport. I would love to see that. Right? I don't. I just don't think it's gonna. <laughs> Goddamn incredible. <laughs> It'd be incredible, but it's like there's so I can look at so many different teams that could clear up cap space in any way, shape, and form. And it's you can have the same basketball moves so fast. Yeah, we have that conversation. Sixers could get absolutely dumped on in the first round, losing five, six games. Harden doesn't have his contract. He's like, fuck this team. Who's this? Levine doesn't just step right in and be like, all right, cool. Here's a new running mate. Like so many things can happen. I just mm-hmm. I see Levine being a flight risk way more than I think people realize because the dude just wants to win. That's all he wants to do. He said it early on, he said he wants to win and he wants to get respected, which obviously means he wants to get paid. The dude's going to get a max on any team that he's on. But if he, if this team doesn't even make it out of the first round, 
they there's not a lot of flexibility in this lineup. Like, yeah, you trade Vooch. What the fuck are you getting for Vooch? You just traded, you mortgage your entire future, two first round picks, Wendell Carter and, and another ancillary piece for Vooch. So like what you trade him, like, like there's not a lot of movement here on this roster. And why would Levine as an unrestricted free agent, what ties me to this roster? Like what makes me want to come back when I can go play with a team like Dallas, when I can go, and literally anyway, I can go, I can go play with the Clippers, sign a max deal. They have so many contracts they can unload. Go sign with the Clippers and just say, fuck it, run it with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That'd be yeah. incredible. So there, yeah. there's there are so many better options for him to go versus just like, oh yeah, I can go like make a bag and just like be Bradley Beal and just get dumped on the first round every year. That sounds good. And I, I never like, know. I like, you never I, know. Like, Maybe there's so many like little things that go into it too with the mm-hmm. family and if he likes Chicago, you know, shit like that. So I, it's definitely in- interesting and we'll have to monitor uh, what the, what the playoffs look like is if they get smoked, then, uh, then eyes are going to be, uh, eyes are going to be on it. Life was at you fast. Yes. Especially in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Tier two, uh, tier two. I have three teams here. Uh, Miami heat, Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets. Um, for me, uh, I, I have been a huge Miami Heat stand this entire season. I really like, I mean, I have talked so much about how I love Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I love the two-way game of both of them. Um, I am starting to get very fearful of the offense and kind of like my come to Jesus moment was um, that game against the 76ers. And it's like, okay, there's no Joel Embiid. There's no James Harden. Why are you not up by 20? Why are you not pummeling this team to the fucking ground? Like, well, like what are we doing and Jimmy Butler shooting 9% from the three-point line since the start of 2022. That's very alarming. Mm. Bam Adebayo has looked very good offensively. Kyle Lauer has been a great playmaker. He's had a very bad shooting season. Tyler Hero has looked incredible offensively, has been getting cooked left and fucking right defensively. So if he's in on offense, he's getting cooked defensively. So it's such a tough balance. Duncan Robinson is having his worst shooting year in three seasons. It's like, is there enough offense on this team to win a championship? And right now I'm going to say no, but I think because their two-way game, their defense is so great that it's always going to give them a fighting chance. I just, there's not enough for me to put them in that next tier. Sixers, we've already talked about, obviously, I think their defense and depth is going to be a huge factor for me. And I think I would need to see them to prove it in order to push them in the edge. And really the only reason the Nets are here for me is because Kyrie's part-time. Agreed. If Kyrie's full-time, first year and I, I really don't think there's any question about it yeah i agree i'm not i'm not opposed to any, any of that um i went back and forth here between having the celtics and nets in this slot because i think they're kind of on two different trajectories the celtics are so hot mm-hmm. that i i want to put them in the top but also like i don't know if tatum and brown have earned that like they'll never disappear type shit because i know yeah. this year is their best year like they're playing great but i also feel every year since tatum has been like exploding that it's he always has this like little run where people are like oh this is it like he's now he's he's in the top 10 in the nba and then like he ghosts for a while and like he still always has that and so i'm wondering if this is the year that he's like nah fuck that shit like like i'm 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 top tier and if he does it all through cool so you know for me you know it's definitely i'm gonna say self celtics here I'm going to say Heat here, um, and I'm going to say Nets here. So I'm going to keep all three there. Um, and like you said, Nets is only just because of um, 
Kyrie not playing. If Kyrie's playing full full time, there might probably one 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 team, but um, you know. And I don't think I think some of their ancillary has been playing better uh, than they will in the playoffs. I think Steph is, or I'm sorry, Seth is going to get absolutely roasted in the playoffs. Um, you know, like he's he's worse defensively than Tyler Hero is. Like I think like it's same so case small. there. He just can't. He doesn't have it. He'll score a bit, but he's not going to score like Hero. I don't think. No. And you know, so I don't know. That's there. And then the Heat. I agree with most things you said. They just don't have the offensive power. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll win some games, but not not enough to win all of it. I think kind of going back to Tatum because like I thought the same thing, and I was talking to one of my buddies um, at work. We were kind of going back and forth, and I was like, dude, I just like Tatum. Like he he had a lot of success early on his rookie year. He's going back and forth with. You know, they meet in the East Conference Finals. It's it's Kyrie's team. Jalen Brown's coming into it. And then, you know, T- Tatum has this massive poster on LeBron. He's like, oh, it's like, oh, shit. Like, this this rookie's, like, ready to play. He gets the Eastern Conference Finals. Then they get to another Eastern Conference Finals. And then with Isaiah Thomas. It's like, okay, cool, like, whatever. Like, people forget that 2020 run where they beat you guys in the playoffs. They make it to the Eastern Conference. Like, they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, like, Tatum's the guy. They lose – to the Miami Heat, they go to the finals run. Like Tatum was that guy. And that was two years ago. Tatum has leveled up since then. And like, obviously last year, Jalen Brown got hurt in the playoffs. Kevin Durant's on a goddamn super Saiyan mission. And this team doesn't even look remotely what it looks like now. But Tatum was going step for step in that series. He scores 50 and they steal a game from Brooklyn. Like Tatum has leveled up so much in front of our eyes. And I think he's even doing it like to the next level to where now you really see that conversation of, Oh shit, he legitimately is a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah, like I don't disagree. I just think like if he this for 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 me, he, he's been doing it for a while this regular season. Like the start, I feel like he was ghosting for a bit. He was doing that usable shit. And then all of a sudden he some some something clicked. He's been great. You can see the Celtics took off since he's been doing it. And if he's yeah. any of he kicks off the playoffs and they do great all throughout the playoffs, there's really no debate anymore, right? I'm just curious to see if he does it. So I'm just gonna be a little hesitant on it. Um, and also I don't think, you know, I think their defense is good, but I think they could still get it. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to stop some of the top guys. Like, can they stop an Embiid? Can they stop? Like, I know they got the other stuff there. I just don't know if there, there's enough. And I don't know if Jalen Brown is enough of a one B to, to do it in the playoffs. We'll, we'll see. I, I love those two yeah. guys. I think they're fun. Uh, but that, that's why they're in my mid. I think for, so we kind of talked about in the beginning of, so I think Jalen Brown and Tatum were like going just head to head in the beginning and Brown really wanted to be that 1A. And I think Brown can be a 1A on a, like, mid-tier team. Mm-hmm. But I think he is a fucking incredible Robin. He has stepped back to a certain extent. He has let Tatum be the alpha dog. He has let Tatum be the initiator. The offense runs through Tatum 10 times out of 10. But now Tatum is seeing the floor a lot better. He is going to Jalen Brown. He's letting Jalen Brown run some pick and roll. He's letting him kind of work his way into the offense. And now you see them, like I said, they've combined for over 60 points over the past two months. They, you, you can argue they're the best duo in the NBA currently, just mm-hmm. the way they're playing and also their two-way game. I think they have enough defense in this roster to stop any team across all five positions because you have, you have all NBA defenders at three positions in Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Rob Williams. Tatum has stepped up defensively. And if you don't like Al Horford, okay, we'll just throw in Grant Williams or we'll throw in Derek White. Like they have a lot of guys that are going to give you top tier defense. And no, you're not going to stop Joel Embiid. No one's going to do that. But they have the size, the athleticism, and the speed and quickness to stick with any NBA team. And that scares the living shit out of me. So I'm putting that I have to put them in tier one with the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. 
yeah i don't yeah and listen i'm not going to say sit here and overly disagree because they've looked mm -hmm. scary I, we thought at the trade that deadline they were going to start to look scary i'm pretty sure back then i i said something like if tatum takes off it's different and he's done just that so yeah. they're definitely scary i really would rather not see them in the, in the playoffs you know for as a sixers fan i just because i think that they um they've got that weird history and shit's going to happen. So very curious what's going to happen there. My top, obviously I'm going to put the Sixers there. Um, try not to be biased. I just think they got the, the crazy star power. I think Maxi is a really big X factor. Um, he's not going to do it every night, but he's got enough juice in him to win games. And I think a lot of teams don't have that third player that, that can do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, th I think they have enough and their bench will give them enough to beat most teams on here on any given night. Um, the Bucks, obviously, I'm gonna like. I still think it, it runs through the Bucks. Yeah. Um, like they're they almost seem like they're sleepwalking until the playoffs. They kind of hit that point to me. I don't know. We'll see. Like Middleton, I feel like you kind of forget that he exists, but then he'll put up a 30, 40 point game in the playoffs. So you so know good. they're 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 very deep. Holiday's great. Like they're a very good team. Very curious to see what it's gonna look look like in the, in the playoffs. You know, I just think you have to give them that that top tier for me. So I don't think we disagree on on, on a lot of things. It's just kind of the, um, you know, the Celtics second slip. That's it, really it. it. It's the trust level, right? Like it's like I think like a lot of these teams can win and get to the you know Eastern Conference Final, but you know, like I wouldn't argue if you were like, oh, the Celtics should get there. Like I'm not going to argue that because they're no. bad. But you know, do I think do I have enough trust in them? No, I have more trust in the Sixers and Bucks for me. That's kind of where I'm at. Understandable. Uh, I mean, it I, it runs through the box. It's not even a question. You want to talk about if you're building the perfect roster of just one mentality, role players, like who's that 1A, 1B, 1C? Like the entire Milwaukee Bucks, just organization and roster knows exactly who they are, what they need to do, and they execute it so goddamn good. Like Giannis is arguably the best player in the NBA. He can absolutely make that case. He's a former defensive player of the year. He's a two-time MVP. He's an NBA champion, finals MVP. Chris Middleton is the most like, random NBA all-star that we've seen in the past, like 25 years. He just can walk out. He has this weird like demeanor about him, but he is just a six foot eight, 225 bucket, no matter who is guarding him. All NBA players just doesn't matter. The dude just goes and gets bucket. Then you have probably the best two-way guard in the NBA and Drew Holiday, who completely changed the entire NBA finals last year when he locked down Chris Paul for, for the last four games of the series, full court for 40 minutes. Like nobody can do that. Like Drew Holiday, then you incorporate Bobby Portis and what he's able to do shooting and stretch the ball. Brooke Lopez does that. And also anchoring the defense as an all NBA defender. You have shooters like Grayson Allen and Wesley Matthews. Like they just have so much in, in every sense of the game and a coach that's willing to push the agenda. All right. We'll run Giannis at the center with Bobby Portis. All right. We'll throw out Giannis Porta, Portis and Ibaka playing with, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton will go long. Like, we'll match the Raptors' size. We'll match the size of the 76ers. Like, oh, you want, you want to go small ball? We'll put Giannis out there with four guards. Like, yep. like, they'll just do it, and I love that. And it's so tough for me to look at any of these teams and say, oh, yeah, they can beat the Bucs. Like, I don't think anybody can beat the Bucs until proven otherwise. Just the way that they're playing across the board. And if they're healthy, if all these teams are healthy, it's so tough to beat a team like the Bucs. Even, even with a healthy Nets with Kyrie from their offensive firepower. Like, dude, you got Seth Curry and Kyrie in the backcourt. Like, yeah, who were who they guarding? They're not even guarding Wesley, like Wesley Matthews. So this team, that Bucks team is just, they're incredible. They're amazing. Like it, it's, 
I I feel like we're gonna get another Bucks Suns finals. I don't want to see that as a fan because that is like doesn't sound fun to me. I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe like annoying or biased, but like these two teams, they're they they have such a high and above advantage over their conferences right now that like that's just what it looks like when they're healthy. Not a team in the West is beating the Suns, not a team in the East is beating the Bucks. I guess we'll see, right? You know, like uh I I guess I sit here and be like, oh well, the Sixers beat a fully healthy Bucks team before Harden even got there. So it was just them beating friends, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, and and I'm sure plenty will say a lot of Sixers fans would argue, argue, argue that. And I might to a point too, but you know, it's not the playoffs, right? So mm-hmm. when, once the playoffs comes, everyone's juiced, juiced up. Oh, Russ is ready to go. It's a whole day, day, different, different game. And they are like those two teams, uh, Suns and Bucks are very similar just in the facts that every player knows their role extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really makes a winning team. So um, yeah, I think it still runs through, through, through the Bucks and it's kind of the rest of the teams, you know, figuring out how to get uh get by that with that you were to pick an eastern conference finals right now so if you were to pick like who's going to be in the eastern conference finals like who would you like we're not even matchups just like these two teams are going to be in the what eastern conference finals right now who would you pick i mean it's hard because you'd have to kind of look up like what the first rounds are going to look like and, and do like you know the high seeds late seeds you know what, what is it going to look like i don't know i'd really like to see a sixers bucks um, you know, I just feel like that's kind of like, it's got the star power in there where it's just like, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's fucking see it. You know, like you could say that about a lot of other teams, you know, the, the nets would be interesting too, but I just think it's, it doesn't have that interesting factor unless Kyrie's there every, every single, single game. Yep. Um, that's where I'm at, you know, to me, it's the Sixers and Bucks, you know, you could argue Celtics, maybe I just don't trust them enough. The heat don't have it. I don't think the rest of the teams have it enough. Um, I think that would be really, really exciting Eastern Conference final. I think from a fan perspective, um, I want to see a Nets Sixers, like fully healthy, everybody full time, vaccine mandate gone. Like, that'd be fucking stupid. Ho- like, be, holy be fuck. That would be too. just seven games of just hell of Ben Simmons in, Kyrie here. Like, I, I don't think Ben's playing, Philly. by the way. I don't that, think Ben's going to play this year. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, like if he comes in, like that's a whole different factor. Like, I feel like we're not even talking about him. Like, we're just mainly talking about Kyrie because if he comes here, and, and again, that's such a massive, massive variable. But if he, like, from a fan perspective, no skin in the game. Like, I want to see seven games of just that, the man. Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets, where, where everybody is in. Holy, like, who doesn't want to watch that? Yeah. Do I? Yeah. But realistically, what I think is going to see. Um, remove seating i think that it's going to be Bucks celtics i think that what the celtics were able to do i think that matchup wise defensively i think these teams are very similar i think they're size wise their switchability they know their roles they're able to step into it they have the star power they have everything they need to do offense and defense and i think it'd be an incredible matchup i think that's what separates the celtics from me versus the sixers is that two-way game I think, yes, the Sixers have the offensive firepower. It's it's so hard to argue against a player like Embiid or a player like Harden and even what Maxie's able to do. But if they can't do it consistently on the offensive end, they don't have enough defensively. And that's what worries me in that sense versus a two-way game of like the Bucks versus the Celtics. Yeah, that's fair. Entirely fair. Oh, God, I love the NBA. I can't wait for the playoffs, man. I, I saw I saw a bunch of tweets on the timeline today that, that, that were like, holy shit, the playoffs are like soon. Like it's like a it's few coming. weeks away and then it's like, crazy. 
it and then like it's just juice for for like a month straight it's just it's going to be so great this is when all the story like the regular season is really fun for a while right and then yeah you get to the point like right after the trade dead deadline maybe like a couple weeks after probably right around now maybe a little couple weeks ago where it's just like all right like the trades are done you know let's let's get to the like let's fast forward like let's do it so now everyone's kind of just like waiting seeing what the seating is going to look like you know so we'll see i'm really pumped you know western conference looks like it's you know seems solidified i think there's gonna be some fun matchups there i just i don't know really really curious what this is going to look like and you know there's a lot of fun storylines i love it i mean kind of like what i talked about last episode with the with with the the guy hawass and kind of just going back and forth like the talent pool is just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and I think you're really going to start to see like legit upsets. Like the world went crazy when like the Warriors beat the Mavericks back when the Warriors were the Mavs were the dominant number one seed and the, yep. and the Warriors are rocking Baron Davis and Steven Jackson and Al Harrington. Like that just didn't happen back then. But if you're going to tell me that a team like the Nets can be an eight seed yeah, and they're going to go up against somebody, you know? Yeah. And, and they're going to go, go up against a team like the Miami Heat or the eight seed of, say for example the lakers like if they if they're fully healthy and you rock together lebron james and anthony davis like anything can happen like like i think the lakers have been absolute dog shit this year lebron's just different he's he's a proven goddamn champion in the playoffs and that's all it takes and westbrook on oh, string out string together a couple of games anything can happen and that's what's crazy about how deep this talent pool is like each match is gonna be a fucking bloodbath like i don't really think you're gonna see like sweeps like this just because it's so deep like anybody can go steal a game and, and like you can yeah. you can see upsets across the board it's gonna be so fucking fun to watch agreed i'm ready my body is ready for, for the playoffs it's coming soon like like it's something you run into things to talk about and you don't want to sound repetitive like it's exciting to talk about you know the james harden trade and like kind of feature teams like this they just have so many question marks about them but it's like you i just want to talk about the playoffs it's all i want to do get into it you know we'll talk about the awards as they come but like once these playoff matchups hit, like it's just going to be constant, constant, constant coverage. It's going to be dope, and I'm so fucking excited for it. So I'm I'm fully ready in all sense. Agreed. Agreed completely. I'm with it. Well, I appreciate it, man. I mean, this is always always a goddamn pleasure. It's fun as hell to watch. I can only talk about the six for so long, so I think it's <laughs> definitely time to wrap it up. Thank you guys for coming along, listening around. Uh, Burn, always a pleasure, my friend, bringing you along. Uh, we will get you back on soon. People Thanks love it. Me. I love it. So it's only a matter of time. Uh, check it out on Spotify. We'll be doing a little more on the TikTok and Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to see anything else, comment along and let us know what you guys think. And we will see you guys next time for episode 26. Peace.